Welcome to the Revenge Body Podcast. I'm Maverick Willett, and I've helped thousands of divorcees and single moms get snatched waist, jaw-dropping booties, and confidence that captivates the attention of men in every room, all without dieting, cutting carbs, giving up wine night, or starving yourself. What's going on, y'all? Today, I'm going to talk about what I can't fucking stand in the fitness industry. (laughs) That was quite an intro. I'm sorry if you were listening to this on a speaker and somebody just heard me say that. <laughs> but y'all should know by now. Y'all should, y'all, should, y'all should know by now that I use bad language. All right. So here's... I don't want to make... This is not a negative episode. The point of this episode is to make you more conscious and use discernment and know where to look for good information. But I am going to talk about why I just have this like distaste for the fitness industry. First of all, I used to be in it, right? I've competed in bodybuilding before. I've worked fitness expos. I was sponsored by a supplement company. That was a part of my life for a few years. Okay. And I can tell you from being in it, it's very fake. It's very superficial. It's very, it's just like, okay. So for instance, one thing is, and, and there's, it's much more obvious now of the development of technology, but back with when the whole shreds thing happened like y'all remember shreds was a supplement company back in i don't know like 2000 they're really big in like the 2016ish i don't know i may be off there but sometime around there shreds was really big with like people like devin physique who was the other one Paige hathaway joey swole right those were people who were involved with that company and i'm not bad mouthing these people now i don't know where they're at now it's like whatever i'm sure they're good people and everyone makes mistakes. I know that more than anybody. So I'm not here to badmouth anybody. But at that time, that company was really scamming some folks. And there, you know, there was Photoshopped pictures. There was a lot going on. But my point here is that I've worked a lot of fitness expos and I've met these people in person. And I have yet, aside from some like pro bodybuilders and some really big people who, you know, are kind of like me, like they're even bigger in person or like whatever. They're, what you see on social media is drastically different from how they look in person, right? Like I, I saw that firsthand, whether it's extreme amounts of photo editing, makeup, drug use, Photoshop, you know, there, there's so much, you know, cosmetic surgery. Like when the lights turn on, so to speak, so the majority of these people do not look anything like they look online. Now there are, there is a select few of people who do look as good or even better than they look online. And I've met those people too. Uh, but the majority, it, what you see is a mirage. It's an illusion. And they've created and crafted an entire persona on a fabricated look. So that's one thing I just don't like. And in meeting a lot of these people too, I've seen how riddled the industry is with performance-enhancing drugs. And I, look, I've used performance-enhancing drugs. I'll be the first to admit that. Like I used them a lot because I felt pressured by the industry to look a certain way and pressured by myself to look a certain way because I thought I had to, 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 cause I had no worth otherwise. So I hinged all my worth on my physical attributes and, you know, having a certain body fat percentage and being a certain size and musculature. And so I used, uh, anabolic steroids in my twenties pretty, you know, I, w- I wouldn't say I abused them because I had knowledge of how to use them from my youth and growing up in a house of bodybuilders, but I did you know, use copious amounts for a couple of years there. And I re- do I regret it? Mm, I regret using I regret using the amounts that I did. And I regret the mental effect it had on me for sure. It exacerbated a lot of irrational thinking and hypersexualized my thoughts there for a while. And, you know, there were some consequences there. 
But that being said, the, the industry is riddled with, with performance-enhancing drugs and lying about it. And so, like, I don't care. Like, for me, this is the way I look at it. All athletes, whether you all like it or not, whether the populace likes it or not, almost all sports involve performance-enhancing drugs to one extent or another and have for a long time. It's just the reality. If an organization has an athlete who's putting butts in seats and selling tickets, they want them at their biggest, strongest, fastest, and best performing. So why would they drug test that individual? Y'all think LeBron James has never used performance-enhancing drugs? Y'all think Michael Jordan never used performance-enhancing drugs? It's part of it. Now, I'm not, I can't 100% prove that, obviously. But when you know things <laughs> about hormones and, and performance and longevity and people's, you know, sudden gain or loss of weight in a short time frame, you know, it's pretty evident of drug use in sports. And, you know, you've got the whole Lance Armstrong thing, right? Like Lance Armstrong is one of my idols. I love Lance Armstrong. And I think that he was crucified over something that the majority of cyclists were doing. He just the one that took the rap because he was, you know, the biggest name and he took the majority of the heat for taking, for, for blood doping, essentially. Something that all of them were doing. He just got caught doing. And so you have the way that society views performance-enhancing drugs and you have the reality. People, you know, armchair athletes want to criticize people and say it's cheating. But the thing is, like, your favorite athlete has probably used or is using performance, some, some kind of performance-enhancing drugs. Whether it's steroids, whether it's selective androgen receptor modifiers, whether it's uh, growth hormone, whether it's blood doping, whether it's, you know, there, there's all kinds of performance-enhancing drugs. It's not just anabolic steroids, but women use them Especially, so this is where this comes in here, right? So like the, in the fitness industry, whether it's, you know, your fitness influencers or uh, your physique competitors, whether that's bikini on up, they not, if they're competitive at the pro level, especially they're all using them. I would say 99.9% of bikini competitors on up all the way to bodybuilding are using performance enhancing drugs. And the easiest way to see this is go to a regular NPC or IFBB show and then go to a natural show where they test and it's for sure natural. And even those, some people are still using. But what you'll see is it's like going from a NASCAR race to a grocery cart race. That's what you'll see. You can't maintain, like you can't compete. You could have the most top tier genetics ever, but you still won't be able to compete with somebody who has their nutrition and training dialed in and they're using copious amounts of anabolic steroids. And the top people in physique competition, again, bikini and on up, they have the top tier genetics and they have the drugs. That's the key ingredient for anybody who's winning bodybuilding is whether it's, again, bikini, physique, figure, wellness, men's physique, men's classic, bodybuilding on up. They all have that combination if they're winning of genetics, smart drug use, et cetera. And so do I have a problem with that? Absolutely not. It's a personal choice, right? I don't criticize the drug use. I criticize lying about it. I criticize telling people, you can look like me if you just take this supplement and also using copious amounts of anabolic steroids. And again, I'm, I'm, I acknowledge the fact that steroids don't do anything if your nutrition and training suck. Oh, I won't say they don't do anything. They do barely, they, they barely work. Because like, here's the way I break it down. If your body is a fire and the logs and the oxygen are nutrition and training, steroids are like kerosene, right? If, if you throw kerosene on a fire, but it doesn't have logs or oxygen, it's not going to do much, right? But the combination of all those things makes a, a fire burn very bright. That is basically, in a nutshell, in a very simplistic way, how anabolic agents affect a physique. 
Okay. So you have to have all of it. But that being said, to, to sit there and, and this has been happening for decades, right? This started back with Arnold selling protein, right? Do I knock selling supplements? No. But don't say things like, this is why I look this way and attribute that to a supplement when that's like 1% of the actual picture, right? I think people appreciate transparency. And so if you're selling a product and claiming that it has an effect on your physique, especially for women, right? And, and I mean, it's men too. I, you know what? I'm not going to say especially for women because it's everybody. But with women, you have the extra factors of surgery and lipo and you know Botox, which again, I don't have anything against those things in and of themselves. But when you're selling a product like a waist trainer or fat loss supplement, which there are no supplements that make you lose fat, a workout routine, whatever it is, and you're not also mentioning like, you know, hey, or you're not using, you're not using a statement like, this is why I look like this because I do this supplement or I do this routine with my exercise. Hey, cool. That's great. If you use it and it contributes, awesome. But also, you know, don't neglect to mention that you also use anabolic agents to look the way that you do. It's part of it, right? And there are a lot, there's a lot more transparency now than there used to be. But that's a part of the fitness industry that, number one, for women, it can be very discouraging to see someone who's getting results faster or has, has a tiny little waist and a big old ass. They look, they look like a cartoon character because of their proportions. And they're saying, oh, I, I have this ass because I do this booty routine. When in reality, you had the fat sucked out of your abdomen and injected into your butt. You know, you use copious amounts of anabolic agents consistently, you know, or you're on hormone replacement. Like, let's mention that too, like, right? I, I'm on hormone replacement. I'm about to start a hormone replacement company. I'm a huge believer in it. But if you're optimizing your hormones with exogenous hormones, like, and you're somebody who is selling a product or you are representing fitness, it's, in my opinion, your moral obligation to disclose that. If, if you're selling something and attributing it to how you look, right? Is that good for business? I don't know. Is it? Is being transparent going to build trust with your audience? Yeah. I think that's the confusion people have. They're like, oh, but if I disclose that, people won't buy my product. Well, people, I know this from being a business owner, people buy based on trust and being congruent with your message. And like, you know, they're buying you, not your product, if you want long term customers. So, like, the more transparent you are, the more trust you're going to have from your audience. If you've built a, a brand, based on that distrust, then yeah, you've put yourself in a hole where now if you disclose things, you may lose some customers temporarily. But you sh- transparency and, and integrity, even deeper than that, is how you build a long-term business. So I kind of got off on a tangent there. But th- what this creates is like some body dysmorphia as well. So like with the competition realm, especially, you have these people who... And, and again, I'm not against competition. Like my fiance competes. And I think she's a great example of someone who gives a lot of realistic depictions of what someone looks like in the off season and what they look like on stage. And it's drastically different, right? And it's healthy. She's not somebody who gets obsessed with how she looks on stage, you know? And some people do. They can't escape like that one week look that they have on stage and they get attached to it. And the off season is very hard for them. But if you have somebody who only posts themselves when they're at their leanest, this gives people a distorted view of like how they look year round and what their actual life looks like. And it can lead people to think that, oh, this is the norm. I should be that lean. And it's like, especially for women, you're not supposed to be that lean. It's very hard. It's not healthy, 
right? There's a certain body fat percentage you need for it to be healthy and function and have healthy hormones, right? And so you, you, when you're following somebody who competes, I'll just sum it up with this. You know, m- make sure that you understand that those bodies are obtained for a specific purpose. It's not something that's sustainable long-term. I mean, those people look great for the most part, right? As far as their body composition in general, like, you know, in the off-season, et cetera. But how they look on stage, how they compete and, and, and leading up to a competition is not something that the average person should ever strive for because it's not indicative of what's maintainable year-round um, unless you are a physique competitor, right? Um, now, that being said, I, I have nothing against competing in general. I competed. Uh, that was really how I learned, you know, how unsustainable it, it is year-round and the things that you have to go through in order to look like that. I have respect for the discipline. I have respect for the work that it takes. I'm not taking away from what they achieve. I just think that it's a very temporary sport due to the things you have to do to look that way. It's something where you just need to get in, do your thing and get out. In my opinion, people who compete long-term is coupled with drug use. It can have deleterious health effects. And for women, I mean, it's no secret. Just listen to the, to the voices of most competitors. It's, you know, they, they sound like 15-year-old pubescent boys. And sometimes they have voices deeper than mine. And that's the effects of anabolic steroids long-term. So let's not beat around the bush here. Like it's obvious that there are effects from that lifestyle. And so I just want to draw a distinction there between, you know, what is applicable and relevant to you and your goals and what is a lifestyle of a physique competitor that you should never try to implement into your own life. There are things that carry over, right? Like with protein consumption, for sure. Lifting, for sure. But you know, outside of that, you know, it's just not a regimen that is realistic for the average person. So moving on. So you, the one thing that I also have a problem with with the fitness industry is the clickbaity bad information that's out there, right? Like now I understand using catchy titles or, you know, things that are, are going to make people stop scrolling. It, your boy does that constantly, right? Like I do that all the time, whether it's me in a Speedo or you know, saying something outrageous. Getting attention on social media is the biggest form of currency right now because if you can't get attention, you're not going to grow a business, right? I understand that. But when we give bad information, it can be harmful to people. It can be harmful to people who have health problems who need to be seen by physicians who specialize in that. Not some Joe Blow, Izzy the Influencer who is not credentialed, who got bored of their job at LA Fitness and just decided to go online, right? It's it, there's no bar to entry when in the coaching industry, and so people can get seriously hurt or sick with bad information. You have people who say who open a video saying things like "This food's killing you." Okay, what are we doing here? Like you obviously just want people to watch your video, but there's better ways to do it. And I'm not knocking the hustle. If anybody understands why it's important to get attention to your content, it's me. But we can do it in a way that doesn't put people at risk. There's people who you know have been hospitalized because they took the advice of an influencer saying they should fast for 48 hours or that they should cut oatmeal out of their diet completely or they should cut dairy, right? And it's just not good information. So how do you find good information? Use discernment. There are some red flags you can look for. If someone is very black and white with what they claim, as in it's this way or the highway, no in-between, or they're know-it-alls with no evidence, you know, that's a key indicator that you should probably not follow that person. And I know I'm pretty anti-diet, right? I'm anti-diet because I want people to have a lifestyle they can maintain forever and just 
have intuitive eating skills. And I know that there's a 95% drop-off rate with any diet, right? Especially the more extreme it is. So that's why I'm anti-diet. But I am not someone who's going to say, you know, hey, you shouldn't fast ever, or that fasting doesn't work for some people, you know, it doesn't work for the majority. And my information is catered to the majority of like what's going to work for the most people and what is based on evidence. So that's the other part of it is evidence-based, right? Like, do they back their claims with evidence? Do they use PMIDs every now and then? I mean, do they, if you ask them to substantiate something, can they, or do they get defensive, right? And I used to be somebody who was like that. Like, you look back through the years, like if somebody commented like, well, I do keto and it works. And I'd be like, I'd, I'd come back with something defensive. Like, well, that's great, but it's stupid. You know, like I, I wouldn't maybe say something like that, but I've, I've got used to get defensive and that was out of ego, right? I would I'd be like, oh, well, look at my results. Obviously I'm right. And it's like, well, okay, but that's not a, that's, you know, if I'm getting defensive, that's because now I'm triggered, right? I'm triggered at you questioning me. And now I'm in a place where it's like, you know, here's the information and this works for the majority of people. If you have something else that works for you, great. This is just the information I'm putting out. This is what I believe in. This is what I'm convicted in, right? And you don't have to agree with it. Like we can disagree. That's okay. You know, it took a lot of work to get to that place because I obviously like what we do works for a shit ton of people. And there have been women who drastically transform using our principles, but that doesn't mean that my way is the only way or that we're the only coaching program. Absolutely not. I mean, there's some people that, you know, don't like what we do because they don't want to track calories or they don't want to become aware of their habits or they don't want to walk or whatever it is, you know, or they don't like and uh, my coaching team, they would rather have me as a coach or something like that. I don't know. There's all kinds of reasons why we may not be the best fit. And I'm okay with that. We are the best fit for a lot of people. So but use discernment. The smartest people use words like may or can or I don't know. You know, intelligent people will admit when they don't know something. And then they also focus on finding the answer. It's like, hey, I don't know, but let's find out, right? Like, or more research is needed. or there's no conclusive evidence, but here's some evidence that points to this, right? Like, I'm a big believer in that. You know, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. So intelligent people will say things like may or can, or it seems like this, or evidence says this, et cetera, right? But not an end-all be-all. So who should you follow? Here's just a few people that I recommend following. And, the, and I'll tell you why I recommend following them. So first you have Lane Norton. Lane Norton is very evidence-based. He's been around for, God, over a decade. I think maybe even almost two decades. And the guy, is he a dick sometimes? Absolutely. He is a dick sometimes. And I understand his frustration with people who are looking for an easy answer. I get that as well from people. But he is someone who, if you... And I heard this on another podcast, and it's very true. If you offered Lane a billion dollars to fudge evidence, he wouldn't take it. He's somebody who has integrity. And I think that's lacking in the industry. Um, I think it was Sal on Mind Pump. Ooh, that's another good one you could follow. Sal's good. Uh, but he's somebody who is straight up evidence-based. He debunks a lot of claims out there that are confusing the shit out of people. The thing with like cold showers or ice plunges or fasting or keto. He, you know, cutting sugar. He shows the data of why saying those things produce X result. If someone makes a crazy claim, the people are going to put out a Batman symbol for Lane Norton. He's going to come in and debunk it with a video and he'll have the receipts. He'll have the evidence. That's why I like him. He doesn't just roast people. He only roasts people that put out information that could harm people. So that's why I like Lane. And I also like him because he has integrity. And I, and I also use his supplements. <laughs> I will say that. I use his pre-workout. It's really fucking good. And science-backed. So you can trust that Lane Norton is evidence-backed. 
Next person is Mind Pump uh, with Sal. I don't know Sal's last name, but they're very, very... They have a variety of guests on the show, on their podcast. But their information is just very practical. He's very pro-lifting. He's very sound in his nutrition advice. He's just a guy that's just sensible. He's been around for a long time. He's got a big following. So big fan of Sal. Astrid, the anti-diet dietitian. I think on Instagram, she's the anti-diet dietitian. Again, just puts out sound information. She's anti-diet like me. You know, she's going to give you why like extreme diets don't typically pan out for people and why they can be deleterious to your results and your health. James Smith is great. He's funny. He's very like he has this dry sense of humor, but he is also he's been around for a while. He's got a book out. Like he's a very good source of information. And he also explains things. This is something that a skill that I think I have. He explains things in a way that you can understand, implement. James Smith. And he's super, I think he's hilarious, funny guy. Jay Alderton, guy that's been around for a long time. He's accomplished a lot physically. He's a dad. He's somebody who he's in his 40s and he gives not only a lot of good nutrition and fitness advice, but now he's more so in like the mindset realm of things and just has some great hard pills to swallow, but very applicable in day life so that you can feel your best, succeed, et cetera. Jordan Syatt, big following as well. This dude is, he's probably my number one, to be honest, because Jordan Syatt's had a big influence on my content. Sensible, no bullshit. He uses foul language like me. You know, he, he's very authentic. Jordan is someone who's very authentic to me. Somebody who like is himself and doesn't try to fake. He just answers things as real as he possibly can. And his nutrition and fitness advice is very, very similar to mine. We're very, very like-minded in what produces results for people long-term and how to get started. That's one thing about Jordan is his content will help you just get started and get momentum. And that's what I try to do as well. Ben Carpenter, big fan of him. Ben Carpenter is somebody who will, you know, people tag him in videos and, and will say, hey, debunk this. And he'll make a whole ass video with, you know, the data to show why a certain claim is not true or why it could be harmful. He also gives a lot of perspective on the mental side that has changed my perspective on things. For instance, he put out a video uh, a few months ago about somebody there was somebody who was claiming that having plus-sized fitness apparel is bullshit. They were saying, oh, this is just encouraging obesity. And Ben brought up the fact that it was like, hey, man, have you ever been a plus-sized person trying to get in shape and couldn't find fitness apparel and how discouraging that would be? Like now we have, a, now we have inclusivity of people trying to get in shape, but they're not yet in those sizes yet. And they need fitness apparel to wear to the gym that's in their size. Like, no shit we need that. Like that, I thought that was a great video. But otherwise, he just puts out a lot of great information that's evidence-based. He's very sensible. He's grounded. The way that he speaks is very just sound, man. I just I really like I like the shit out of Ben. He's got a book out as well that I'm sure is amazing. Have not read it yet, but I'm sure it's great. So that's a list of people that I would recommend for anybody wanting not only good information, but stuff that you can apply now and get results and steer you away from all the noise and bullshit out there. Right. And that's what it's all about. So I hope this episode was helpful. Hope you got value from it. Let me know. Shoot me a DM. Let me know what you think of this episode and, and give me more ideas for episodes. I'll put out anything you guys want. Appreciate it. Have an awesome rest of your day. ESV out. If you liked what you heard on this episode, ladies, share it with your friends. And if you want to finally escape dieting culture and get body results that make your ex wish he never mistreated you, check out the link for the Revenge Body Metabolic Revamp. You can find that in the show notes. And remember, ladies, you are powerful.